Welcome to Christmas at Red Rocks. We're so glad that you are here. I know that December is crazy. It can be disorienting and discouraging. And so my job today is to encourage you. Luke 2 and verse 10 is the one verse we've been in for the last three weeks. It says this, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Two weeks ago, Doug talked about how we don't have to be afraid because we're on the path of peace with the Prince of Peace. I bring you good news. Last week, Ethan talked about that good news and why it is so good. Now I get the honor of finishing the verse that will cause great joy. Everyone say great joy. What kind of joy? Great joy for all the people. That word great has been on my heart all week. Jesus came to bring us not just joy, but great joy. So I don't want you to walk out of here with joy this Christmas season. I want you to walk out of here with great joy. Hey, I don't want you to just have love for your relatives over Christmas. I want you to have great love. I don't want you to just have peace as you travel this Christmas. I want you to have great peace. And to the parents in the room, I don't want you to just have patience for your kids this Christmas. I want you to have great patience in Jesus' name. And so I'm gonna preach a simple message called, What's So Great About Christmas? What's so great about Christmas? Turn to your neighbor and ask them that question. What's so great about Christmas? And you guys can take a seat. Well, I got to knock an item off of my bucket list two weeks ago. We have any bucket list people in, in the room today? I, uh, I grew up watching Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. I don't know if you heard, but movie critics have now officially declared that that is the greatest Christmas movie of all time. Subjective now. We've been debating for, for decades, and now we know. Um, and ever since I watched Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, I've wanted to go to, to New York during Christmas time and see the tree in the Rockefeller Center. Now, when you're a pastor, traveling in December is really tough, but I found a three-day window, and me and some friends went to New York, and we saw this year's tree in Rockefeller Center. Now, this is a picture of it, 80 feet tall, five miles worth of lights, 50,000 lights wrapped around it. We braved the cold, and we braved the crowds, and we got our... $15 cup of hot cocoa, and we walk through the streets of New York to see the tree. Now, if you haven't been, you gotta know two things. Number one, it's incredibly beautiful. It's awesome. Number two, it's unreasonably crowded. Like, ex experts estimate that 100 million people every single year go to see the tree. And so I'm, I'm looking at it going, this is awesome, but also why are all these people here? And then I thought, wait, why am I here? Like, we have trees in Texas, you know? Like, why go through all of this work just to see the tree? What's so great about the tree? So I started doing some research, and I found that the tradition actually goes back to 1931, the middle of the Great Depression that left millions of Americans unemployed and for those who did have work, the average salary decreased by 42.5%, a really difficult time for our country, and yet during that time, the Rockefeller Center was being built. 
and the construction workers were amongst the, the few lucky enough to have work, and so they thought, we need to do something to, to raise the morale around here. So they pooled their money together, and they bought a 20-foot tree. And they went home and grabbed homemade garland and string and anything they could find to decorate it. And here's a picture in 1931. This is Christmas Eve. Everybody lined up in front of this 20-foot tree to collect their paychecks. Two, week, two years later, it became an official tradition that has gone on ever since. I called my grandma this week, who um, she worked on the 37th floor of the RCA building, right in the middle of Rockefeller Center in the 50s. And I asked her about the tree. You should have heard how, how sentimental and nostalgic her voice got as she started talking about New York during Christmas time and how she made some lifelong friends. And during their lunch break, they would walk down and walk right past the, the tree. And as I'm having these conversations and doing this research, I start to realize, oh, now I'm, I'm starting to understand what's so great about this tree. It's not just the tree, it's the tradition. But here's the thing, most people don't see that. Most people just walk by the Rockefeller tree and they're like, isn't that where Buddy the Elf and Jess from New Girl had their first date in the second best Christmas movie of all time? That's cool, let's take a picture, here we go, right? But when you stop and unpack it, all of a sudden you start to realize just how great it is. That's what I wanna do with the Christmas story today. I feel like so often we, we, we get in the habit of just going, oh yeah, it's Christmas, isn't that like Jesus' birthday? That's so cool, take my picture, let's move on. But when you hit the pause button and you start to unpack a tradition that's not just a 93-year-old tradition, but a 2023-year-old tradition, and you start to see what's going on behind the scenes, all of a sudden, it's like your capacity to appreciate the Christmas story expands. And that is how you find great joy this Christmas season. So that's what we're going to do. I just want to take you through Luke 2, 1 through 11. And um, if you are here and you're like, man, I've just been coming to Christmas services for decades, here's my question for you. Is the good news still bringing you great joy? And if not, what would it look like to, with fresh eyes and fresh ears, approach the Christmas story today? Now, others of you are like, I'm brand new to this whole thing. You're in the perfect place. Thank you for being here. We're gonna walk through uh, 11 verses and it's gonna be easy. In fact, I've got five points and yes, it's an acronym and yes, that acronym spells great. And so here we go. What is so great about Christmas? Let's find out together. Luke 2. By the way, uh, New Testament is the third or the, the last quarter of your Bible. It starts with four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call them the four gospels. It's all the story of Jesus told from four different perspectives. We're gonna be in Luke's telling. Today, Luke was a physician. He was more detail-oriented, so his gospel is the longest, and he gives us a beautiful snapshot into the birth of Jesus. Luke 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Verse four, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth into Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Let's pause there for a second. There's this guy named Joseph who lives up in Nazareth and he has to go to Bethlehem. That's about 80 miles. So now you're thinking, oh great, Hop in the car, get on the highway. That's like an hour, hour and a half tops, right? Now, this is long before then. We're talking about walking 
maybe riding a donkey, maybe, if you're lucky, down a very dangerous trail full of wild animals and thieves along the way. It's not like there's like a gas station to pull off into every mile to, to get some snacks for the journey. This is a difficult journey. It's about to get even more complicated in the next verse. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So Joseph isn't just looking out for his own safety. He's looking out for Mary's safety and for the baby's safety. Mary is very pregnant at this point. We find out in verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Such a, a beautiful telling of, of the moment Jesus was born. I want to hone in, though, on the next verse. Verse 8 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Verse 8 says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. So we just have the most uh, amazing moment in the history of the world, Jesus' birth. And then as Luke is writing, he, he just immediately transports us up to the hills to some shepherds who are hanging out at night. Let me tell you why this is so amazing to me. Shepherds were seen as outcasts. Shepherds were, were seen really as nobodies. Like their opinions didn't matter. I love this verse so much because I grew up watching Aladdin. Watch this transition. <laughs> Aladdin was not a prince. He was not royalty. But he realized he had to try to convince the world that he was so that he can marry Jasmine. So how does he do it? He puts on a giant show. He, he, he marches into town and there's an elephant and there's music and there's a marching band and they're throwing out money and the genie's singing a song and they're making a big spectacle of it. Jesus doesn't do any of that. One of the reasons I love the story of Jesus so much is it has such humble beginnings. A baby born in a manger in the middle of nowhere and then God doesn't appear to like Caesar or Herod Right? He sends the angels to the shepherds up in the hills. Here's what I love about this. When you are trying to convince the world that you're someone you're not, like Aladdin, you have to make a show of it. When you know who you are, you don't do that. You know how God created you, and so you're just too busy being the person that God created you to be. Now, that may be a sermon for uh, another day, but it sets up the scene perfectly for the Christmas story as the angel appears, not to the king, not in the palace, but up in the hills to some shepherds. And let's hear what he has to say to the shepherds. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause what? For all people. Now, if you're a shepherd up in the hills and the angel says, got good news that's going to cause great joy, your response is, are you talking to me? Do you know who you're talking to right now? Like, seriously, you, I'm a shepherd. I'm a nobody. I'm working the Christmas night shift up in the hills by myself. That's a joke. It was not a holiday yet. 
Like, I thought my life was gonna have meaning. So far, it's meaningless. I thought my life was gonna have purpose. So far, it's purposeless. I at least thought that I was going to have some community and a family and people around me. I'm up in these hills by myself. I can talk to the sheep, but the sheep don't talk back. What are you talking about, great joy? I'm lonely. I love that the Christmas message starts with the shepherds because let's be real, Christmas can be very lonely at times. In fact, there's something different about this year's Christmas. This is the first, 2023, it's the first year where, Chris, where, where loneliness and isolation are officially an epidemic. I don't know if you knew that. On May 3rd, the U.S. Surgeon General issued uh, uh, that loneliness and isolation are officially an epidemic. 52% of Americans, over half of Americans reported feeling lonely, and it's trending in the wrong direction. In 2003, the average American reported having 60 minutes of uh, connection time with another human being, meaningful connection. By 2020, that number was down to 20 minutes. So in two decades, we have three times less quality connecting time every single day. U.S. Surgeon General said that that isolation and loneliness has health uh, risks that are similar to smoking daily. Loneliness is an epidemic in our world today. And by the way, I have a personal vendetta out against it. And in 2024, we're declaring war against isolation and loneliness. We'll get there in a couple of weeks. More on that very soon. Today, it's Christmas. And and I want to start here. Um, If you are feeling lonely this Christmas, I have some really, really good news for you. 740 years before This moment in Bethlehem, the prophet Isaiah wrote this. This is Isaiah 7 and verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which is the Hebrew name, God with us. Why Why does the good news of Christmas bring us such great joy? Because the good news of Christmas is that God came to be with us. He is Emmanuel. And if you're feeling lonely right now, if you're feeling lonely over the next few days, this is the one thing I want you to walk out of here with, knowing that you never have to be alone ever again. Because God looked at a broken, divided, lonely world and said, I'm going to do something about this. I'm gonna show up in a manger uh, to be with my people because I am Emmanuel. Uh, don't get it confused. A lot of people ask me the question like, well, yeah, but then shouldn't his name be Emmanuel? Like Emmanuel Christ, you know? And it's not, that it's a title. Just like Isaiah says, we'll read in a second, he will be the Prince of Peace, wonderful counselor, mighty God, right? His name is Yeshua, his name is Jesus. But what he does is he comes to bring us peace. What he does is he is the, the wonderful counselor. What he is, who he is is he is God with us. Let the good news fill you with great joy today. You never have to be alone ever again. Let's keep reading. Luke 2 verse 11 says this. Today. All right, let's stop there. When? Okay, so for hundreds of years, prophets have been prophesying about the coming Messiah. 
they've been, been writing about how one day, soon, someday in, in the future, the Messiah is going to come to save us. In fact, let's go right back to Isaiah. Let's go Isaiah 9 and verse 6. This is, remember, this is 740 B.C. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, if I'm around back then and Isaiah is telling me that, I'm going, that's really great news. That can give me some hope, but it's not going to fill me with great joy. Because in order for the good news to fill you with great joy, it has to be for right now. It has to be for today. Say it this way. Imagine your boss calls you into their office and says, hey, um, so let's do your end of the year review. And you're a little nervous. You know, your heart starts speeding up. And you walk into their office and they say, I've got some good news. It's going to cause great joy. All of a sudden you're going, this is awesome. This just took a, a good turn. Let's go. What's the good news? And then your boss says, well, I've been watching you work for the last year. You're doing great. You're hitting all your numbers. Love, love the, the attitude that you bring to the office. You're a great uh, contributor to this team. And you're going, and? And your boss goes, and? You keep that up for the next two decades? We're going to be talking about a raise 20 years from now. You're going, well, okay, fine, great, but that's not, that's not gonna bring me great joy because I have bills to pay this month. In order for the good news to bring great joy, it has to be for right now. What was the first word the angel said to them? Today. Today is the, the day of salvation. The beauty of the Christmas story is that the wait is over. Hundreds of years we wait for the promise and the fulfillment of all these prophecies. And then, on a faithful day in Bethlehem, those promises and prophecies get infused with God's presence. And it's the moment that God's presence comes to earth that we experience the great joy that God has for us. Maybe today, this Christmas, what you need to realize is that God doesn't just have promises for you. He wants to infuse his presence with those promises. In other words, he wants to walk with you. He wants his spirit to guide you every step of the way. That's where the great joy comes from. All right, let's keep going. Hopefully this time we'll get further than one word in this verse. Luke 2, we got Christmas stuff to do today. Come on, guys. Verse 11. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Three big words there. Messiah, Savior, Lord. Messiah, Savior, Lord. This is who Jesus is. He is the one who saves us from our sins. He is the Messiah that all of Scripture has prophesied about, and he is Lord. Now, here's why this is such good news. If you're anything like me, I start to, to hear good news, and I'm just, like, conditioned to look for the catch. You know, like, you meet someone who's like, I'm, I'm going to help you get rich. Like, we're going to help you make a lot of money. You just know, like, what's coming up next is they're going to go, but only if, only if you Join this pyramid scheme, you know, or whatever it is. Like, only if you do X, Y, and Z. 
Here's the good news about Christmas. It's not an only if type of a story. The good news about Christmas is that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is Savior, that Jesus is Messiah, that this baby born in a manger goes, I will put all of the weight of the world on my shoulders so that you can have a Merry Christmas, not only if, but even if. If you need some great joy this Christmas season, these are your two words, even if. Oh, come on. This is what we do, right? Well, this Christmas will be great. Only if the ham turns out perfect. Only if I get that gift that I wanted. Only if my kids have the perfect reaction when I give them their present. Only if my family shows up and behaves. Only if Uncle Joe doesn't bring up the election during our Christmas meal. You know, like we can have great joy. But only if. And yet the message of Jesus message of Christmas is that the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord is here, which means we can have great joy this year, even, even if. This is the message all throughout the New Testament. We could go to about a thousand different verses. I'm gonna go to, to one passage, Romans 5, verse six. This is Paul talking about Jesus. You see, at just the right time, this is for right now, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. I love how logical Paul is, even in the middle of this like, amazing gospel presentation. He's like, yeah, for a good person, maybe sometimes. Okay, get verse eight. Let verse eight sink into your heart. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. That's why the good news of Christmas will bring you great joy the, the day you realize it's not contingent on your own effort. And it's not reliant on your own works. It's all about the work that Jesus did for us who saw us in our brokenness and goes, you, I wanna come have a relationship with you. The message of Christmas is not only if, the message of Christmas is even if. That's why, by the way, about 20 minutes ago, what happened in this room, I don't know if you felt it, was we all came in here carrying all of our own stuff, our own baggage, our own, own to-do list for the rest of today, and then the band started singing, oh, come let us adore him. And what happened is our attention, our, our adoration shifted from our to-do list to Jesus. And, and, and we started to realize that, that, oh yeah, that's right, we already have a savior in the story and it's not me. And so let's just fix our attention and our adoration on Jesus. Oh, come let us adore him. And as soon as you do that, it's like all the other stuff starts to melt away and you can actually start to experience some great joy. Hey, if you're putting too much pressure on yourself this Christmas, Hold on to these two words. It's not only if, it's even if. All right, let's do one more. Let's go back to verse 10. Luke 2, verse 10. It's where we started, it's where we'll end. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. For who? This is a big one. Uh, if you're anything like me, uh, you you tend to feel like you, you hear good news and you go, that's so great for my friends, that's so great for my family, but ah, 
I don't know about me. Like, I know me. And, and that's why Doug and Ethan and I can't get past the shepherds this Christmas. Because the shepherds are the perfect picture of the outcasts, the ones who feel unworthy, the ones who feel like they don't belong. And God sends the angel to the shepherds as if to say, hey, this will always be about all people. That's why Jesus grew up and 30 years later, he starts reaching out to who? The religious elite who feel like they have it all together? No. The uneducated, ordinary fishermen, the tax collector. Uh, the sinners, the ones who are struggling uh, to, to fit in, the ones who, who feel like outcasts. And in fact, if you ever feel like the Christmas message isn't for you, hold on to Luke 5. Three chapters later, Luke 5, Jesus is, is hanging out with some sinners. And, and some of the religious elite go, what are you doing, Jesus? And Jesus says this, verse 31. Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Thank God for that, man. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Why does the good news bring great joy? Because it's for all of us. All of us means all of us. It means you. It means me. Uh, last week, Ethan talked at length about the shepherds and how unworthy they, they must have felt and how he's felt that same way in, in his life over the years. And I resonate with that too. We, we have very similar stories. Although um, one of the ways that it has impacted me and affected me historically is um, my, my battle has oftentimes been my own mind. Um, I'm an overthinker. When it comes to overthinking, I'm an overachiever. And I love that about myself. It's a gift. I'm learning to see it as a gift. Uh, it also gets me into some trouble sometimes. And it, it causes a, a lot of frustration for me. And I, I remember early on, like, the message of Jesus became so real to me. And I just dove headfirst into ministry and, and, and um, like, leading. And I would lead all these mission trips. And we do all these outreaches. And all the time that I was, like, out serving people and loving people, it made total sense to me. It was when I was alone at night with my own thoughts that all of the, the challenges started because I would start wrestling with these like infinite questions, trying to like logically work my way out uh, of the, these like very, very difficult questions to answer. And when I wouldn't be able to do it, I would feel like, um, maybe I don't, maybe, I, maybe this isn't, from, like maybe I don't belong. Maybe I'm, I'm not a part of this whole Jesus tradition. And uh, I remember I was, I was working at a, a gym at the time. And I would come in a few hours early and to make some extra money, I would clean all of the, the bikes in the, the spin room. And uh, I would always put my headphones in and uh, listen to, to podcasts as I was, was cleaning these bikes. And I remember exactly where I was. I was listening to a a sermon by a pastor in Dallas named Matt Chandler. He was walking through the Gospel of Luke. And, and the sermon was called Skeptics Welcome. And it stopped me in my tracks because uh, it, it, I, I feel like there's like the shepherds, the one way we talk about the shepherds is that they're like the outcasts who their, their past disqualifies them and all of that. Um, I also feel like the skeptics fit into this category and I've always resonated with that. Um, 
And, and so I'm listening to him talk about how skeptics are, are welcome and how there's room for your questions at the foot of the cross. And, and it's, it suddenly feels like, I feel like seen for the first time. Uh, like I, I, I feel like someone's preaching right to me and, and I'm like breaking down in this gym. Like as I'm like cleaning this bike, I'm, I'm, I'm crying because I'm realizing, oh, there's still a seat for me at the table even with all of my questions. That Jesus doesn't say, figure it all out and then come to me. Jesus says, just come on. Are you tired? Come on. Come to me, I will give you the rest that you are looking for. I started to realize that those questions didn't disqualify me from being a part of all people, but that all people also includes Ryan. I wanted to share that this week on the off chance that maybe that's you. Maybe you're here today or, or, or showed up today just to be a good son. Make your mom happy. Maybe you're just trying to be a good dad and be a good example to your kids. But if you're being honest, this whole time I've been talking, you're going, yeah, but it's not me. You are the person on my heart today. That the good news can bring great joy to all and that there's room at the table for your questions. And what starts to happen is as you start to experience the unconditional love of God, it's like all of the logic starts to melt away and you start to realize that, that yes, we're finite human beings trying to figure out an infinite God and we can have questions and conversations and we can try to figure it out, but at the end of the day, we start from a place of I'm loved, that there is a creator who created me who loves me. And so if that's you, the off chance that's you, I, I wanna give you a, a chance to respond. Um, no, we still have one letter left in our acronym. Don't worry, we'll get to the T. Before we do, um, in just a second, I'm gonna give everybody a, an invitation to, to pray with me. And as I do, um, I, I'm gonna ask two, two big questions. The, the first is gonna be to anyone who's maybe just realizing for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time that all people include you, uh, that Jesus actually came to pay the price for you. Maybe you've been, you've been having an only if theology all these years, but only if, only if, only if, and it's time to, to raise your hand and say, even if, I'll just be an imperfect person pursuing a perfect God uh, the rest of my life. And so if that's you, I'm gonna give you a chance to raise your hand and just pray a simple prayer with you. The second question I'm gonna ask is um, maybe, you've, maybe you've heard the story, maybe, maybe you got it, but then some days went by, maybe some years went by, maybe for some of you some decades went by. And if you're being honest, the good news no longer brings you great joy. If that's you, I'll, I'll ask you to raise your hand because I, I wanna pray a very specific prayer of blessing over you. It's a prayer that David prayed 3,000 years ago in Psalm 51, where he cries out to God and he says, God, would you restore to me the joy of my salvation? Restore to me the joy of just why this is such good news. This Christmas, help me see the great joy that is found in this story again. Um, because as I was walking uh, in the streets of New York on my way to the, the tree, uh, I, I was thinking about the sermon 
and I, I called my spiritual director, his name's Jeff, and said, Jeff, I need help, man. Give me a, give me a Christmas sermon. What, what do you got for me? You got any ideas this year? And he goes, yeah, why don't you go with the, the birth of Jesus? You know, like Mary, Joseph, shepherds. He's always three steps ahead of me. I, I caught up with what he was doing. He was going, hey, stop trying to recreate the story. Just reclaim it. Just tell the story and let the story do the heavy lifting that God so loved you that he sent his son so that whoever believes shall not perish but have eternal life. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Christmas story. I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful for you, Jesus. Because if, if this is on me, it's, it's not gonna go well. Thank you that you're not an only if type of God, that you're an even if type of God. Thank you that you are a God who stepped out of heaven to be with us and that today is the day of salvation. So for the person in the room, the person watching online, the, the person at God behind bars who, who feels like this is for them, I, I pray that you would stir in their heart right now, that you would remind them that you love them, that you have a plan and a purpose for their life. And if you are ready to, to put your faith in Jesus, I wanna boldly ask you to put your hand up in the air. And as you do, just pray this prayer. Father, I love you. Jesus, I repent of my sins. I want to make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, for the person sitting here, feeling like for a number of reasons, the beauty of the Christmas story has, has grown cold in their own soul. I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would remind them that you never went anywhere. Yeah, that you love them and that you still love them. You had a plan, you still have a plan. In fact, if that's you, if you're going, man, I need, a, I need great joy this Christmas. Lord, would you restore the joy of my salvation? Just boldly put your hand up in the air. And God, you see these hands. And Father, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would restore to each and every one of them the joy of your salvation. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would do what you do best, that your presence would, would uh, infuse the dark spaces of our soul, Lord, that you would heal the bitterness, Lord, that you would heal the deep exhaustion that we're feeling, Lord, that you would heal all of the confusion with all of the questions that we have, and that you would replace that with great joy. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, listen, we exist as a church to make heaven more crowded, and that just happened. So can we make some noise for everyone who put their faith in Jesus? And man, if, if you raise your hand for that second one, I'm praying for you all, all week, uh, that this week great joy would be infused back into this story that you already know. So you guys stand to your feet with me. I want to end here. Um, let's see, am I? Some of you are going, Ryan, that's great that heaven just got more crowded, but what's the tea? It'd be so mean just to send you off into Christmas without completing an acronym. I don't want you to just have G-R-E-A joy this Christmas. I want you to have great joy this Christmas. And so here's the deal. In order for good news to truly bring great joy, yes, it has to be that God came to be with us. And yes, it has to, to be for right now. And yes, it has to be not only if, but even if. 
Yes, it has to be for all people. It also has to transform the world. And, and, and here's the, the beauty of the Christmas message, is that that is exactly what happened. That that night in Bethlehem, a, a, a light came to be with us. But then that light told another, another fisherman uh, about the message, and, and then a tax collector about the message, and then two sisters named Mary and Martha about the message, and, and then one day in Acts 2, 3,000 people learn about the message, and, and then the, the gospel spreads from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth, so much so that, that today in 2023, on the other side of the world, we still gather together to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Why? Because this good news truly does bring great joy to a dark world that needs it. John 1 will end here. When John sat down to write his gospel, he wrote this, in him was life, in Jesus talking about was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We meet here again today to remember that no matter how dark a world may get, that there is a light that shines in the darkness and the darkness will never be able to overcome it. And so this Christmas, may the good news that God came to be with us fill your heart with expectation. And may the truth that it is for today, for right now, fill your heart with love. And may the truth that this message is not an only if message, but an even if message, fill an anxious mind with rest. And may the truth that you belong in the all people category, fill your life with expectation as we gather together to be a part of a narrative that truly has transformed the world. May that bring you great joy this Christmas in Jesus' name.